system, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 2. I'll begin reading at verse 11 to the end of the chapter. Verses 15 to 21 will be in my sermon text. We're using a pew Bible that can be found on page 1155. And then we're going to turn in the Forms and Prayers book to Lord's Day 7. And that can be found on page 208, which I'll get to in a moment. Let us now hear God's word. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I may live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. As far as the reading of God's word, may it his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of Christ, faith alone was one of the five solas and battle cries of the Reformation. Sola fide, faith alone. In Luther's German translation, he added the word alone to this passage. But James writes, as we heard this morning, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith only. Well, we talked about what James meant by justified. That active true faith works. It shows itself to be genuine shows itself or exhibits itself by works of mercy, obedience to the law and gratitude to God. But Paul here says that by faith, one is justified, not by works of the law. What is Paul saying here? I briefly mentioned it this morning, but I want to expound on it this evening. 
Is faith, is it faith alone or is it faith and works? Which is it? In other words, the question that Luther and the Reformers asked, it was a question I asked coming out of Catholicism and struggling what it meant that Jesus was on the crucifix. What did that mean? And I asked the question too, what must I do to be saved? Then I had to realize, what did Jesus do so that I am saved? (laughs) Isn't this the most important question that needs answering before we experience death? If God is judge, if God is righteous, if God is almighty, if God is all those beautiful attributes, holy, just, if he is all those things, how are we right with him? What is the instrument, the means by which we take hold of this salvation? And the battle cry is faith. Faith. What is faith? Or as the catechism asks, what is true faith? Turn with me in the Forms and Prayers book to page 208. Page 208, Lord's Day 7, question and answer 20. Are all people then saved through Christ just as they were lost through Adam? No, only those are saved who through true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? What is true faith? This is, this is one question that you should memorize. Question and answer 21. Young people, memorize this. Don't just put it in your head. Reflect upon it. Meditate upon it. Like I talked about this morning, let it hit your heart. True faith is not only a sure knowledge by which I hold as true all that God has revealed to us in His Word, It is also a wholehearted trust which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel that God has freely granted not only to others but to me also forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness, and salvation. These gifts are purely of grace only because of Christ's merit. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel a summary of which is taught us in the articles of our Catholic, undoubted Christian faith. And then it goes on to give the Apostles' Creed. This evening we look at faith in Christ. What is this true faith in Christ? What does it mean that we are justified by faith and through faith in Christ? Let's look at that first point, justified through faith and by faith in Christ. Verse 15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. He just rebuked publicly Peter and the rest of the Christian Jews who acted hypocritically among the Gentiles. 
He called them out. And now he's going back to the Galatians whom he's writing to and saying, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law, no one will be justified. In the context of Galatia, the uh, letter to the Galatian church, there's a serious error that Paul is addressing here. And he's worried. He's worried that they're believing a different gospel, falling into a real serious error. Namely, that the Galatian church was moving to a gospel that included works righteousness. That as these, this circumcised party came to the Gentiles, they were wondering, why aren't you being circumcised? Why aren't you observing days, years? Why aren't you observing ceremonial laws? These other laws that are in the Mosaic law. These certain men of the Jews would place burdens upon the Gentile Christians by placing these laws and the traditions of men on their shoulders. And Paul reminds them of the necessity of faith, the importance of faith, that we are justified through faith and by faith in Christ. That is the means by which we take hold of the gospel. It is the, the hand of the heart. Faith is the hand of the heart that takes hold of the gospel message. And it is not by works of the law. Notice how Paul includes himself in verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. You see, the Jews were the chosen people of God. They were a holy nation. They received God's righteous and holy laws. Did you, did you hear that in Psalm 119, what was read there? Lord, you are righteous and your laws are righteous. We have God's law, which is righteous and just. They receive God's covenant promises and the law. The Gentiles, on the other hand, were considered unholy and profane. Paul speaks about this to Timothy in 1 Timothy. They didn't know God. Though the Jews had the uh, though the Jews had the privilege of receiving God's law, it wasn't able to save them. It wasn't able to save them. The fact remains that Jew and Gentile are sinners, and a person notice his language there. A person that's important. A person, not the Gentile. No, Jew and Gentile, whether the person is a Jew or whether the person is a Gentile, a person is justified not by works of the law, moral law, ceremonial law, judicial law, circumcision, traditions of men, but through faith in Christ and by faith in Christ. The law can never make a person righteous before God because it was never its intent. Its purpose was to reveal transgressions and sins. In fact, look with me in chapter 3, verse 19. It 
Galatians 3, verse 19. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary, intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ might be given to those who believe. If you're taking notes, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 11, Paul speaks that the law is for, not for the righteous and just, but for the ungodly sinner, for you and me, to expose and reveal who we are by nature. In his commentary on the letter to the Galatians, Martin Luther wrote this, This is the truth of the gospel, referring to justification, being justified by faith, by faith. This is the truth of the gospel. It is also the principal article of all the Christian doctrine, wherein the knowledge of all godliness consists. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. We need to beat this doctrine into our heads continually, lest we forget and rely upon works righteousness. He also said, if the article of justification be once lost, then is all true Christian doctrine lost. Justification by faith is the doctrine, it's like the hinge on a door. You remove the hinge, the door falls. I can preach on justification every week. Every week. You may say, Pastor, please move on. But I can preach on it every week. I've talked much about the depth and breadth of Christ's love for us on the cross. Put justification in the mix here. Whoa. You want to talk about depth and breadth and how sinners like you and me are saved? How sinners like you and me are made right and found not guilty before God? We need to beat it in our heads continually. Luther was always good with words in that way. The doctrine of justification by grace through faith and by faith in Jesus Christ is essential to the Christian faith. Friends, it provides so much comfort and so much assurance to your soul. Because it is a legal declaration that God makes regarding you a sinner. A legal declaration. My son, John. My son, Roberto. My son, Mark. My daughter, Pat. My daughter, Jessica. My daughter, Sue. Mine. 
mine. Forgiven. Pardoned. Don't allow your feelings or emotions to sway you and God's love for you. No one believe the promise of God for you. Know that we are justified. You, I, I am justified by grace, through faith, and by faith in Christ. No visions, no extra sacred scriptures, or writings outside of scriptures, no feelings, no emotions. Believe. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Secondly, to be justified in Christ does not make Christ a servant of sin. These are challenging verses. Verse 17, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, it can be translated, if in our endeavor to be righteous in Christ, we Jews too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Listen to the NIV's way of translating this. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. What is Paul saying here? What is Paul saying? Perhaps these verses spark more questions than answers. It seems that Paul addresses potential critics of the doctrine of justification by faith in Christ. Actually making Christ a promoter of sin and not of righteousness. And he's challenging those critics. It seems, it seems that Paul is talking here about a people of God, the Jewish people, whom God called to be a holy people, a holy nation, given a righteous and holy law. Listen carefully. Given a righteous and holy law. If Jews seek to be justified in Christ by faith, the law then declares the Jew a sinner. I thought the law was holy and righteous. But if the law makes me out to be a sinner, is Christ then a minister of sin? No. Christ isn't a promoter of sin. The doctrine of justification by faith teaches us that by works of the law, no one shall be justified. It's by faith that one is justified because all are under sin and judged to be guilty under the law. Yes, the law is righteous and good and just, but it does not make one holy, righteous, and just. And because you're born a Jew, doesn't make you holy, righteous, and just because you have the law. I 
I think Calvin paraphrases this well. He says this, If in consequence of the righteousness of faith, we who are Jews and were sanctified from the womb are reckoned guilty and polluted, shall we say that Christ makes sin to be powerful in his own people and that he is therefore the author of sin? There's also another interpretation that says Paul confronts opponents here who are saying that the doctrine of justification by faith in Christ promotes lawlessness and law-breaking. In other words, it gives people a license to break God's law. But Paul will address this later on. If God declares us righteous in Christ by faith, these critics or opponents are saying this is a dangerous doctrine because it then forsakes, utterly forsakes God's law and you can live like the devil and be saved. Making Christ out to be a promoter of sin. The first interpretation seems to be more in line with the context and what Paul is saying. That here, look, in, look with me in your Bible again, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we Jews too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a trans. Gresser. What was torn down is this works righteousness, seeking a righteousness through the law, but that has been torn down through Christ and by Christ and the cross. And if I try to rebuild that works righteousness, I'm a transgressor. If I'm seeking my righteousness through the law, I am making myself to be a transgressor, a sinner. Christ is not the transgressor. Christ is not the one promoting sin. No, it's all me. It is me, Paul's saying. I, a Jew, who received the law, the oracles of God, the promises of God. Yes, even me, I am a sinner. I prove myself to be a transgressor against the law because my sin has been found out by the law. That's why we believe it's important to preach the law and preach the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that we read the law and hear about the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ who forgives us. Catechism says, how do you know your sin and misery? Through the law of God. Paul says in many places he would not know sin if he did not know the law. Thirdly, live by faith in the Son of God. Live by faith in the Son of God. We see already that we're justified through faith and by faith in Christ, the means by which we are justified, the hand of the heart that takes hold of God's promise of salvation. 
we see that justified in Christ does not mean that he is the author of sin or a servant of sin. And we see thirdly in this passage, live by faith in the Son of God. He says at verse 19, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. Congregation of Christ, you and I must die in order to live. In order to know life, we must first be crucified. We must die. Die to the law. Live by faith in the Son of God and know life with God. Live by the works of the law and know death and curse because the law finds us out. The law finds us out and tells us who we really are by nature. That it doesn't bring about righteousness and life, but rather brings about death and curse. You don't believe me? Look at chapter 3, verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Notice, before God. Justified before God. Different than James' audience this morning. The righteous shall live by faith, says Paul. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The law brings death and curse, but the law drives us to Jesus. It drives you and me to Jesus. It's a tutor in that way, as Paul says elsewhere. And to be free from the law's demands, live by faith in Christ who met the law's demands and bore the curse of the law for you and me. To be free from the law's demands and his curse, I must die with Christ. I must die to the law. I must die with Christ. I must be crucified with him. Remember I read this morning Colossians chapter 3? You have died. You have died. Do you remember that? Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek, your th seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. We died with Christ. We died to the law. And that's why He has this glorious verse, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have it printed out for you. It's in the back. Well, actually, Donna did it for me. Thanks, Donna. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your car. Take it wherever you want. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
You and I must have our sins, which are an offense and transgression against God's law, crucified. If we want to live to God and have fellowship with God and be accepted by God, we must die to the law through death and be filled with Christ who lives in me through faith. Christ is that life-giving spirit. He's the life-giving spirit who gives life to the dead, to dead sinners. Dead sinners are made alive because Christ, when he bore our sins in his body on the tree, had you and, and me in mind. When he died on the cross, he actually accomplished salvation. He didn't make it available. No, he actually accomplished it so that when he died on the cross, Roberto died with him. And when he was raised, Roberto was raised with him. Put your name in there, Christian. Put your name in there. Notice how Paul transitions to me. I have been crucified with Christ. He's not talking about anybody else. This is personal testimony time here. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Doesn't the gospel make it personal? Can you say that for you this evening? Christ so loved me and gave his life for me to be a sacrifice for sin and to be a curse for me so that I live by faith, not by works of the law, not by works of the law, because I'm a sinner. I'm a miserable sinner who is guilty of breaking God's laws and commands, offending his majesty, his glory, undeserving of grace. And yet what does it say? What does it say? I have been crucified with Christ. I live because Christ lives in me. I'm alive because Christ is alive. I live by faith because the Spirit of God dwells in me and has created that faith in me. Do you remember what the Catechism said there in Lord's Day 7? By the Holy Spirit that creates that faith in our hearts to believe the gospel. We live by faith in the Son of God because He so loved us and gave Himself up for us to be an atonement for sin, to satisfy God's wrath, to remove guilt, to cleanse our polluted souls, to cleanse our conscience from evil deeds, to secure forgiveness, pardon. Think of the sacrifices that we talked the past number of weeks. All that symbolized, all that pointed to, and now look to Jesus who did a complete, perfect work on our behalf, fulfilling the sacrificial offerings, securing all these blessed benefits. God poured out His grace upon sinners. 
Verse 21, look with me in your Bible. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If we are justified by works of the law, or if righteousness came from works of the law, then Christ died for no reason at all, for no purpose. In fact, it is blasphemy. It is blasphemy because it undermines everything that Christ accomplished for sinners. It is blasphemous for me to think that my works earn salvation because it undermines everything of what Christ accomplished. But praise be to God for his forgiving love. A couple of final points in closing. Three of them. Because we have been justified by faith in Christ, we are united to Christ. We are in union with Christ. We are inseparable from Christ. Inseparable from Christ. Do you like cream in your coffee? I do. You put the cream in there, there's a union that's made between the coffee and the cream. Try getting the cream out. Impossible. There is such a union, an inseparable union between the justified believer and Christ. Again, comfort and assurance because he is the one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he has given us his spirit as a down payment of the salvation to come. The spirit that dwells in our hearts and enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy. Daddy. And because we have union with Christ, because we've been justified by faith in Christ, now listen to me carefully here. You, Christian, are as justified now as you will be in the last day of judgment. You are as justified now as you will be in the last day of judgment. And that's God's promise. So that in the day of judgment, we already know that we are not guilty before God because of Christ, our advocate, our lawyer, our redeemer, intercessor. Secondly, why do we feel the need to seek our righteousness through works of the law? Because I dare to say we sometimes think that we please God by our works in the sense of, okay, if I can do better, God's favor will be upon me more. We struggle with that. If you're young in faith, you'll struggle with that. But justified by faith in Christ is a great comfort and assurance and reminder to us of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice that he purchased justification once for all. John Stott says that salvation by works is appealing and flattering, 
because it tells a man that if he pulls his socks up a bit higher, he will succeed in winning his own salvation. This is a grand deception of the devil, who is the father of lies, and his goal is to rob you of your joy, rob you of the promises of God, rob you of assurance and forgiveness and acceptance and the adoption as a child of God in God's family. He wants to rob you of those blessings and benefits and cause you to despair. And so he wants you to look to yourself. Look to Christ in his righteousness and believe. Lastly, and this is kind of a, a summary from this morning and this evening. No Christian who has true and active faith in Christ makes it his goal to continue in sin. No Christian who has true faith in Jesus Christ makes it his goal to continue in sin because he feels that he has a license to sin and disobey God's law. That is not Christianity. We have been saved from the old life in Adam and granted a new life in Christ. Why would the Christian desire to go back to the old life? Put on the new man in Christ. Put on the new man. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that your justification, your salvation comes from God alone and by His grace. And ask for grace to now walk in that faith you confess. To walk in gratitude, to walk in works of mercy, in love for thy neighbor, asking God for his help and strength. And where there are works undone, we confess and repent and receive his mercy and forgiveness. But the Christian faith is one of true faith in Jesus Christ. And that true faith is not only a sure knowledge, by which I hold as true of all that God revealed to us in His Word, it is also a wholehearted trust, a wholehearted trust, which the Holy Spirit works in me by the Gospel, that God has freely granted not only to others, but to me also, forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness and salvation. These gifts are purely of grace, only because of Christ's merit. Amen. Let's pray. O oh, Father in heaven, we pray, O oh Lord, that this wonderful doctrine that we have heard from your word and expounded upon would be that great source of comfort to our soul. Grant assurance. Grant, O oh Lord, your forgiving love and mercy towards us. Grant, O oh Lord, a constant reminder of your promises that are yes and amen in Christ. May these truths be beat into our heads so that our minds are renewed and our hearts are transformed by the gospel by the power of the Spirit. Oh, Father, we 
embrace these truths by faith and by faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone.